When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Heroes of the Horn is brought to you by Rachel Sedai of House Harris. I will not abandon you this side of death, more gaze, but you abandon much when you abandon Andor to Gabriel. Welcome to Heroes of the Horn, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am Sir Matt. And I am Sir Ezra. Welcome to our Wheel of Time book club. The horn has sounded and we have answered the call. Today we are covering the Lord of Chaos, the prologue. And in our village council, we will be discussing your thoughts, your comments, your pigeons, and season two news. Yeah, as you know, it feels good to be back. Okay, not that we've really left Wheel of Time, but... Um, just good to be back in the books, my friend, uh, yeah. which is where we are at today. So for those of you guys who have been watching us um, during season one, Ezra and I do cover the books. You can check out all of those um, if you want, right? You can check out all that content on the podcast over on Omni, iTunes, anywhere you can find podcasts as well as here on YouTube. And we've done gone through the books we are currently on book six the very beginning which is what we're going to be doing today which is the prologue of book six lord of chaos which i um really loved you know one through four which is shadow rising i really liked lord of um fires of heaven book five i kind of you know uh knocked me down a little bit but i'm back into lord of chaos here book six and i'm way 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 more enjoying it yeah i think that's the thing too matt you know people it's so funny you go to the forums and some people love that last book simply because of the last battle and the ending uh there's one thing that like really ticks people off here or there and and it's it's whatever so it's interesting you know in this 14 book series that you find some books you really love and some that you're like, I don't know, right? And it, sometimes it depends on who your favorite character is and what you wanted or expected for, from that character. So uh, I think that's I think it's really, really interesting. Uh, folks, also wanted to mention early on here that do not forget, we have extended edition after this show already planned out. We also, my friend, have a very special spoiler edition brought to you by yours truly. The, you know what, Matt? On, on Bend the Knee, they call me Sir Ezra the Watchful. Over here, it's sir ezra the spoils a lot okay wow because sometimes i i spoilers slip out on on the show and that's on me okay so now we've got the spoiler edition where i can just go crazy on there are so many characters mentioned in this prologue that i'm going to come back to and we're gonna 
kind of tackle over in the spoiler edition. So that's that's coming up, friends. Just be be ready. Yes, as we have some season two news we're going to dive into, um, as well as, as I said, some pigeons we've got, right? You guys can shoot us those at thehornofvalier at gmail.com. We'll read your sort of full theories, thoughts on the show. We try to keep this just because I know we're, we're doing this live on YouTube now. We try to keep this um, spoiler free up until obviously where we're at in the book. So um, try to keep it spoiler free for anything past this. This is still actually my first read of the series. Um, so new information for me, right? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, just in doing this kind of stuff, I do know some of the things. Again, this is kind of a reintro since we're starting it kind of back up here. Um, diving back into the books and now we have some now we have some uh, new people watching and stuff like that so for me um, you know there are obviously some things I know a little bit of I've mentioned that before but um, yeah so glad to see people in here live commenting and your uh, you know try to get as many of your quotes in here uh, as well as we jump into this so as I believe there, did you want to start with something or? Yeah. Yeah. So I, what I really wanted to do here uh, is, is kind of, I mean, season one was, was so great. It was so awesome. Uh, every week we were doing different things. I went out to Germany. Uh, it was, it was crazy friends. I went out there and, and I've, I've let this loose on a couple other podcasts, tied some knots, got married. Holy smokes, you know, mm -hmm. craziness out there. Appreciate Matt doing uh, everything he did over here back in the States, keeping us going. My God. It was an awesome time, such a such a big high for us. And we met so many new people. Uh, people came over and supported us on Patreon, Apple Premium. Literally can't thank you guys enough. It is It was a, a freaking wonderful ride. And so just want to give some shout outs to some of our newest patrons. Uh, Amy Anderson, Dan Scott, uh, Justin, Copy to Pasty, Aaron, Aaron Bell, Rachel Harris, so on. Tons of other folks. We're going to actually uh, try to figure out a way to get back to our in screens where we give you guys a shout out, maybe a roll across the screen, that kind of stuff, because I just love it. I, I so appreciate it. Um, also, uh, yeah, we have our, our pigeons. It always sounds funny to me because over on Ben the Knee, we say Ravens and it kind of right. has a better like, like weight to it. And the pigeons just seem weak, but Hey, yeah. it's a good old fashioned carrier uh, pigeon. And some folks, you know, weren't sure if we would read these. And I'm like, hey, no, you, you took the time to, to send this in. I definitely want to read it at the top of the show and get us going while Matt cues up some of that that um, uh, Wheel of Time season two news that we're going to have. So first off, we have uh, Darren who wrote us in and just said, hey, guys, I really want to thank uh, say thank you for the Heroes of the Horn podcast. I read the books years ago and was very excited about the television adaptation finally coming uh, to fruition. I discovered your podcast about two months ago and have been using it as a refresher for all the books. Your format is spectacular and a real treat for me as I have forgotten how much stuff was packed into all of those pages. Yeah, no kid. I, I need the refresher. That's why I do the spoiler editions. It's it's I have to refresh my my memory on these things. Uh, hearing things from a new reader perspective also raises a lot of new questions I haven't thought of before, which has wiped the dust off of my Wheel of Time companion guide. Um, on a final note, I also very much appreciate the fact that you two uh, don't, yeah, we don't, Hey, we don't swear a whole lot. We don't get super vulgar, right, Matt? I mean, that's just not something we normally do every once in a while. Right. You, you get this moment where it's like by the blood and ashes and we got to, you know, roll with it. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, very refreshing. He says, I travel heavily for work. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and yours is, is one of the few that I feel I can, uh, put in and follow along with my kids. Uh, this has brought my 10 year old son into the wheel of time fold. And he is now super excited to, 
read the eye of the world with me. Let's go. That's awesome. Love hearing that. Um, after two months, I have completed all of your podcast episodes through the Dragon Reborn. The only question I have uh, is this. Uh, let's see. And I hope that it's not silly due to my completely missing something. Since Rand and the Dark One have squared off thousands of times with different results over infinite years, can we assume another dragon will be spun out of the pattern until the seventh spoke completes and starts over again? If that's the case, will there ever be a dragon who hears the inner voice of Rand Althor, along with that of Luce Theron Telamon. Um, maybe I'm just confusing myself for no reason, but wanted to hear what you guys have to say. So that's Darren. Uh, appreciate that that uh, that pigeon. And you know, Matt, they, that actually came up early on in our in our podcast. People were talking about the dragon reborn and how many times has he been reborn and all this kind of stuff. And you get to the you know the the, the seven ages and the seven spokes of the wheel and the and the turning of the wheel. And so on. Someone wrote us a really good uh, pigeon at one point saying, yeah, I don't know that I like like I like the story, but the idea that it's ne- it's just kind of you can't break the, the actually the dark friends and what was done in the TV show. Well, was that they wanted to break the wheel, break that that loop that we're continuously in and and things. So that's what the dark one's trying to do and so on. But that's why you have the dragon to combat him. So I kind of think, yeah, I think you could say. It might be Rand, if the, whoever the most recent reincarnation is, I think would be probably who you would hear. But yeah, maybe a mixture. I don't, I don't know. I think, yeah. I think it's a good question. So. Is there ever going to be need for a dragon in the future? I don't know. That's the thing. You know, so, yeah, there, are, there is always the, the, you know, I think I'm sure I know you'd have to go look it up, but I'm pretty sure hasn't Brandon Sanderson been asked, like, is there yeah. any chance you could ever do more? Yeah, that could that yeah. can take place in the future, which I think I mean, the of course is, it would. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise. I mean, well, the show has the. I mean, as much as you know, a lot of us did, were not particularly fond of the final episode. The show was incredibly successful. Uh, yeah. I have the numbers here. Actually, uh, that's something we're going to dive into. Did you want to wait for any more pigeons for the end, or did you want to well, yeah, jump here, into we'll the just, rest of these? We'll just roll through the pigeons and then we'll dive into all that stuff because you're right. Okay. Yeah, I think the numbers are are cool and we'll. We'll get to that. So yeah, let me let me finish these out. We've got a couple more here. Uh, rewatching. Uh, hey guys, this is from Arja Brand from the Netherlands. Let's go. We have people all over the place, man. I think I that's know. just fascinating. I love. I seriously thank you guys for writing us in and telling us where you're from too. I think it's it's really cool. Uh, hey guys, was, was rewatching episode eight and saw a shield rapidly closing on Moraine. This probably means she's been she's been stilled, um, but has been tied off you know, which might dissipate into season two. Just wanted to point that out. Merry Christmas. So again, I'm going back through catching up on all of these. We actually did a standalone video. I think it's coming out here in a week or two, or maybe already came out the video that is, uh, is more rain stilled or is she shielded? Great conversation. I love it. I kind of just did it to, to poke the bear a little bit because I think a lot of people agree that she's shielded, but Hey, I like to, Stir the pot, Sir Matt. I like to. Well, hey, when we get into late to later today, we're going to be talking about uh, still gentle. Oh my, yes, we are. Perhaps the difference of them. Yes, yes, we are. Um, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I can read the next one here from AJ. If you're if you're ready, absolutely. So, um, hello, my name is AJ, and I just started listening to the podcast this summer. I had intended to get caught up before the show premiered, but I got a bit sidetracked by life and only just listened to the Fires of Heaven Part 2. At the end of that episode, you were asking about New Spring. I don't know if you got any responses or read them in the few episodes I have left to catch up on, but regardless, I wanted to give you my two cents. 
though the most um through the most uh, fortuitous circumstances, I happened to find New Spring at a Dollar Tree when I was 13. I was so excited that it was a prequel, which meant I didn't have to track down seven other books to read it first, as was often the case with my Dollar Tree finds. So New Spring happened to be the very first Wheel of Time book I read. And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way and suggest other first-time readers read it first. I know it's controversial, but I want my friends to experience the series the same way I did. I would hold so strongly to reading New Spring first in any reread of the series uh, that I nearly didn't listen to the podcast because I couldn't imagine not reading New Spring first. 11 years later, New Spring is still my absolute favorite book of the series with books 13 and 14 tied for a second. Without spoiling it too much, I'll say this. New Spring gives us an entirely different look at Moraine, Suan, and Lan back when they were young and new to the world and mildly excited about the path they're on. I don't care much for Moraine in the main series, but in New Spring, I relate to her on so many levels, it isn't even funny. Okay, that's a lie. I often have to stop reading because I'm laughing too hard how, over how much I relate to her. And New Spring is probably the only reason Lan is my favorite character. If I hadn't read New Spring first, I wouldn't like him very much at all uh, to start and probably wouldn't have gravitated much uh, and probably would have graduated more towards Tom or Matt for a favorite. Uh, the next part spoils just the tiniest amount of information for the very first chapter of New Spring. Uh, which I think is probably okay to read. As for when it's okay to read New Spring again, I always personally suggest to read it first, but if you want to put it off spoiling um, any of the other books, that's understandable. Um, it is safe to read it at any point after Eye of the World. The only thing that kind of spoiled uh, by reading New Spring first is that you know the exact parameters of the foretelling that sets Moraine on her path to find the Dragon Reborn. With that added information, it's much easier to guess which of the two reverse boys is the is the dragon, but there's still room for doubt, you know, especially with Perrin. Other than that, the only big spoiler is Lan's history regarding Malkair. Um, he says, I could write an entire essay uh, singing the praises of a New Spring and arguing that it should be read first, but I've said enough for now. Um, just wanted to say, give you my two cents since you spe specifically asked about my favorite book. Uh, whatever you guys decide to read, it, I'll be more than happy to read along, even though part of uh, the reason I'm not caught up yet is because I wanted to step back and wait. Um, so hope this helps. Um, Avia Jane Aes Sedai of the Brown Aja. Let's go. And this was a question we asked. And so I'm really happy to kind of hear that because I, I, I feel like, you know, um, yeah, we didn't. We chose not to do that. And I, and to to her point, I I actually started off with Eye of the World. So that's kind of how I wanted Matt to experience it as well. So I didn't start with New Spring. So I thought, OK, yeah, let's have Matt start off the same way that I started off. And then I was also less familiar with it, too. So uh, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't really know that I'd be it'd be kind of a uh, a brand new read for me at the at the time we started this podcast, because I, di I didn't really know much about it at all. Um, so that was really good information to to have. And it's nice that she provided some context on what it would spoil and what you need to know, because it was written later uh, and it was right. sort of uh, it became one of those prequels where a couple books are wrote and then. Um, yeah, then then Robert Jordan does that. So it's great. And the, and the show incorporated a lot of that stuff and it became important. And it is really cool to kind of get the backstory on Guitar Morosa and the foretelling, what they knew, information. And I felt like that was that was really, really cool. And 
So I'm, I'm actually, I think if we went back now, I would be like, it, it wouldn't matter. And I've, know? and we, and we, and we did the graphic novel of it. So yeah. I kind of got like, you know, just a quick sort of summary of it. Um, so yeah. that's cool. So, okay. Two more here, um, from Jack, just congratulating us on reaching a thousand subscribers. Just started listening to Rosen Pike audio version of the eye of the world. And I think she's doing a great job. Um, I haven't listened to that version of the audio book yet, but I do want to at, at some point, but you know, I only have so many audible credits. And, right. Yeah, is, but, right. Um, hey guys, huge fan of the podcast. Been with you guys since day one. Uh, used to listen to you guys over and over while working a boring retail job. I just want to share my thoughts on episodes one to three prior to four coming out. So again, we're just getting some backlog emails here. So this is somebody who didn't finish the season. I mean, as of this email. So just sort of his his thoughts on it. So I love the series. It's my second favorite fantasy series behind Lord of the Rings and fourth favorite franchise in the world i have to say though i have been wildly disappointed in rafe's interpretation the inclusion of parents wife was just so odd and not needed at all why create a character just to kill them off after two minutes of screen time and one or two lines such a fringe um wife trope i feel like introducing Mace, uh, master luhan and pairing killing him would have resonated with people so much better luhan is like a father figure to parent and it would have given him nearly the same development the cgi looks terrible save for a few trollocs um shots and the fade what is that scene of marine uh using the power it looks like a cw show something obviously uh, you know people have said quite a bit um says uh didn't rafe say the show budget for the show was massive i'm happy for the two of you the fact that you're enjoying the show as much as you are i envy you um and he said don't get me started on tom who can't sing he said episode one 1. 1.5 out of five episode two two out of five episode three two out of five odds this email makes it into the show like laughing emoji right right <laughs> hey, it did it did. Um, Aiden, that's well, then, Aiden, actually. I just looked Aiden, it up. Okay, mm -hmm. there we go. Perfect. There you go, Aiden. Exactly. Forget we try it. to we, we try to incorporate as much, uh, whether you liked it or didn't like it, because I do think it is it is good to sort of represent the show in and you know in the books and in people who liked it and people who didn't like it because healthy you know yeah. healthy criticism is fair and warranted and they do listen. I don't know that they you know listen to us, but they do listen to fan feedback. I mean that sure. is they they've I think they just put out a Amazon just put out a thing where they said hey let us know what you liked and didn't like about the show. Oh wow! And so yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's actually you know if anything too Matt whether they actually read those or listen or not it just it's the appear it's it still feels good to have them trying to do that and giving uh I mean they they freaking turned the dusty wheel God bless him into the after show that that right. is somebody who was literally just running um you know, a theory, a website for, for many years and close with Robert Jordan and, and reading the book. It's fantastic. They did that. But everybody knows that the official after after show, the real parties right here on here. of the horn, because we right. were having like 300 people in and we were all partying hard. We were like the during the episode party, you know, like we were watching it and then instantly turning it on. People were clicking in. That was it was crazy to watch the numbers run from like 40 people watching to like 200 in a matter of like, you know, 20 mm -hmm. minutes. And I was like, holy smokes. So that was really yeah. cool. That was actually a lot of fun um okay well as uh let's dive into really quick here some wheel of time season two news my friend mm -hmm. so wheel of time was the biggest new series in the united states last year so wheel of time uh, was the most demanded show at 43.2 times more in its first 30 days than the average in a u.s of any u.s show including shows like netflix arcane and disney plus's the book of boba fett so wheel of time was a very successful show for amazon so i mean we know they they've already greenlit it till season three so hopefully 
you know, again, uh, looking at some of that fan criticism. I was actually pretty uh, excited here to and, and pretty shocked, actually, I should say. So these are the other nine shows. I guess these were the top 10 most demanded shows mm-hmm. in their first sort of 30 days. Um, and I don't know exactly what qualifies as an average because I don't necessarily say that. Um, so number 10 was Shadow and Bone at 26.9 times more in demand than in another average series. I didn't watch that, but my mom did. And my mom has never read books and like, I mean, like fantasy books in her life and literally loved the show so much that she's like, I have to go read the books. So, yeah. And I know our good friend, Jimmy, Sir Jimmy Fantasy Network. Shout out to him. He said he watched it. He liked it. Um, Number nine was Chucky. I'll never watch that because I don't watch scary things. Uh, Number eight was Squid Game, which actually, if you ask me, if you ask me, and you gave me a list, I would say that Squid Game would have been the biggest show of last year. Yeah, me too. I would have thought that as well. I because I would have I because it was massive when massive, it kind of yeah. had that Tiger King stuff. I love Squid right. Game, man. I can't wait for season two of that. Yeah. That might be the most messed up thing I've ever seen in my life. Episode one blew me that I was like, <laughs> I told Lottie, I was like, I don't know if you can watch this. This is I don't know. Um, number seven was Loki, which I liked. I think it was my second favorite of the Marvel of the Marvel stuff. Um, number six was Falcon Winter Soldier, which was my least favorite of the the Marvel stuff. Um, number five was WandaVision, which was my most favorite of the the Marvel stuff. Um, number four was Hawkeye, which, uh, Hawkeye was, Hawkeye's, uh, you know, it's like my middle one. Number three, Book of Boba Fett. Now, again, to be fair, they are only counting, I guess, what you would have to. It would have to be the first episode, yeah. Because I th- I would say now the the book of Boba Fett has to had is probably eclipsed those numbers. Yeah, I'm and good. if you guys want more book of Boba Fett coverage, come check out As and I's Star Wars podcast, Hyperspace Hangout, where we're gearing up for that last episode. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Number two, Arcane, which is a League of Legends show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wheel of Time, and so this was forty two point seven more demanded than any other. Than like an average show and wheel of time just beat it at 43.2 so wheel of time oh, was no. the number one st- most demanded streaming show last year wow that is uh, of new yeah series new. sure sure so right. i it i don't didn't include I, the witcher I can't, in there and doesn't yeah. include the witcher or whatever else now right. i would have to say that this coming year, I cannot imagine Wheel of Time. I think Wheel of Time will have good numbers, yeah. But I cannot imagine any show for a new series topping Lord of the Rings. Yeah, um, yeah, that'll be crazy. Lord of the Rings. I, I would, I will, I oh. will probably be. Sh- I'm going to be honest. Lord of the Rings might be the number one streaming show this coming year, and that includes Obi Wan, perhaps Stranger Things season four, and House The Witcher. Dragon. Ah, well, never mind. I was going to ask you. I was going to say, never mind. I forget. Yeah. I get, yeah, because that that is technically, yes, that would qualify as a like one and two. You could go either way on, like, you just, it's going to be that Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. I think, period. I think they're going to be one and two, period. Right. Yeah, me too. No, but I, I think, I think House of the Dragon will be the number one show. Yeah. That will be the number one new streaming show. Yeah. Well, and actually, really, they've, uh, yeah. Well, we, we talk about all the time, but like, Game of Thrones, the wave that that had, and then also just the House of the Dragon. It's TV. It's already proven itself. It's still in the same hand. This is different. Lord of the Rings is now in Amazon's hands. 
what was you know it, it was a new line before so right mandalorian season three is gonna be big too so yeah um so okay so uh there's that so on to another piece of wheel of time news so this comes from cbr.com which i think is one of those sort of potential clickbait sites um like screen rant you know uh mm -hmm. that just sort of report things they don't necessarily but it does seem like more and more people are sort of uh reporting it so um this is saying that screen silver tours recently added um, a castle in Prague to its Wheel of Time tour, identifying the sprawling estate as the world, real world stand-in for a royal palace. Um, and all eyes are pointing to this being Camelot. Hmm. Okay. In Prague. Camelot sure. next season. Yes. Well, that's where yeah. they film almost that. All, it's all almost all filled over there in the Czech yeah. Republic, Prague. I wonder what the actual... Uh... Do, do they have the location? They don't, they don't have the. Do they have the castle or the, the location? Castle. Yes, they, yes, they do. I will pull it up. Do they really? Okay, that'd be kind of cool. Um, no, this I, is. Cool. I, this I is can't pronounce it because uh, I do not speak. That's so. That's all right. Check. Right, right. Prague or or whatever. But yes, I, let me let me get it pulled up here while you I mean, we dive that into. Cool. Lottie and I's uh, photographer was actually from Prague, so that's that's pretty cool. Maybe I have a, maybe I have a source. I have to I have to hit her up and see what's going on down there. What does she see? But this is really cool that that we have. Um, Camelin, you know, I think mm -hmm. we, oh gosh, I was following some of the Madeline, uh, Madeline Madden has been posting a lot with the, oh, that looks cool. And we don't know that they're, and just because it doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, the whole, the outside of it could be CG, but they could use the inside of this for rooms so that we're going to see in the show. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where, or the grounds and they're going to have sets built and all of these things. Um, Cause that does not seem very Camelin to me, just in my sort of mind. But mm -hmm. at the same, you know, that that's a that's where they're filming. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. I like that a lot, and um, yeah, I think that's really really neat. I was gonna trying to pull up some of the actors here. They've they've been posting some images, and the girl that is cast as Elaine has been in all of them, which is really cool. So, um, that's been that's been neat to to see them kind of bonding. I, we even saw the new um, fellow who's cast as. Uh, as Matt has, has been there with them. So if you follow their social medias, uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic, you know? Um, so Madeline yeah. uh, underscore Madden is, is um, um, the actress that plays Egwene. And she, she, she right. actually posts quite a bit of their, this room, yeah. this room, I could see you put you get all this stuff out of there. You put a throne in there and you know, yeah, that's cool. So now let's dive into, uh, and then we will dive back into the the reread or the read he threw here some season two theories as yeah if we are now that we potentially know that we are going to be filming things in camelin what does that say about season two will we because you and i had been theorizing that we would meet elaine in the tower but perhaps we could be meeting elaine in camelin and going back to camelin first well, now this is interesting because he what in 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 the eye of the world, Rand meets Elaine there first. Okay, it's actually something people brought up. You know, there was an issue in season one. Uh, Moraine has yet to meet Tom, I believe, has not met Tom Maryland, and they had there's you know spoilers ahead here. There's a big connection between those two, and their meeting is important in the, in, in the eye of the world. Uh, Rand meeting Elaine and Camelin is a big deal 
Uh, he, he meets Gawain. He meets Elida, who sees him and has a foretelling. So, um, you know, and I, I don't, people had talked about Leandrin being the fill in for Elida. I don't think Leandrin ever came across Rand either. Did she? Did she ever have some FaceTime no. with him? I don't think so. Not, not, in, not in Eye of the World. Right. And it's what I even mean, like in the show. I don't think that Leandrin actress saw Rand or had any FaceTime with, with Rand. As far not as that we know. saw, but it, it, it does. It certainly seems, I think it's, it's possible. Yeah, it, it may be because we have the yellow sister going and taking when Matt's getting healed, but it's, it's kept a super big secret. And right. you don't. So the red Aja is told about Matt. Where I'm going with this is that if because we're theorizing here, right? If if you say to me that Leandrin's supposed to be the fill in for Elida, well, the whole point there is that Leandrin or Elida, whoever it would be, has a foretelling. Like they see Rand and they actually it, it um, instigate it starts, stimulates a foretelling. So I guess if we're going to see Elida, it would be important that Rand comes across Elida and that Rand sees Elaine. You know, if Elaine first meets Matt or Tom or I don't know that Tom would be there, right? So that's going to be rough because Tom has a, a crazy history uh, with Camelin and more gays. But like, how is Elaine introduced to our main group? The way it's done in like, I guess she, she could show up at the, t I mean, she could show up at the tower with the girls and they could be getting trained. And then Matt is going to have possibly his battle with Gawain and Galad. And then he will strike off with Tom on a mission, right? Because because the Omerlin gives Matt a note to take to Queen Morgays to Camelot. And that's when he goes there and he figures out Lord Gabriel is there and everything. So I guess my, my, my theory is, is that like uh, Matt and I have been wondering, where does Rand go? in season two and instead of chasing the horn to kyrian maybe they chase the horn um to camelin you know what i mean like that because because kyrian is that big city but there's no one there really important that you have to that rand has to meet i guess uh he goes back there and he finds tom and it's inter it introduces uh moraine's kind of city uh the history of king layman the io war all that kind of stuff some dark friends, the ways, all that kind of, you know, whatever. But you can still do all of that. Like you could have, Matt, you could have Pot on Fane go to Camelin. There is still a way gate there, just like there is in, in, in Kyrian. Yes. And he can go to wherever it is that he's he's going to go. If they want to go to uh, Tolman Head, uh, to, to Falma, they, they could do that, you know. But so that's, I guess, what I'm thinking. I think I think uh, Camelin will replace Kyrian, I guess, is, is my big thought or theory prediction yeah i think so too um i th I'm, i think i'm with i think i'm with you on that and you know you just got to think about other things too like um well let me bring up let me bring up something else too uh really quick yeah. so i believe i have this too so there was a now here's another one of these articles same website um and it sounds like uh, at some point um there was an, an interview with rafe at some rafe judkins obviously the showrunner um a little bit after the season and it was talking about relationships specifically Egwene and Perrin, which sort of happens in um, the show. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
says um the blue time showrunner rafe jenkins briefly confirmed the connection between Egwene and parent and season one of the show will likely continue in season two and could inform future relationships on the show i think you do see uh in the books this idea that did parent have feelings for Egwene? um we've milked that a little here jenkins mm -hmm. told cbr an exclusive interview i think it will continue the showrunner added that while fans have been vocal about not loving the possibility of a romance between the two characters it was important to him to establish the connection before introducing other storylines each of those characters goes on to have a, a very important relationships Egwene with uh gawain and then perrin with fayil he said he he continued and so those relationships will we will also take those um we will also take those as uh two big relationships that are really foregrounded in the books and so we'll take them and really run with them too i think any real romantic relationship that we do have in the foreground we want to use so we've mm -hmm. yet to meet a fail or a gawain but we could meet a gawain at uh Caitlin. yeah exactly yeah for sure for sure and I think if we're hunting for the horn too, it, you could throw in Fayil. We, we, there's speculation that, that Fayil has been cast and that uh, we'll see her in season two here. So if you wanted to, that's an interesting thought, that you might right. have um, Egwene with Perrin be a bit more romantic, but then they come across their their lovers in Camelin mm -hmm. or, or in season two, which sort of separates the two of them. So maybe out the gate, we'll see a stronger sort of tie between them as Ran does his thing and, 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 you know, wanders. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you were saying, I just wanted to pull up the map here too. You know, you're saying some of this stuff, you know, maybe Kyrian gets cut out a little bit. Right. I mean, Camelin's, you know, sort of next door, one less place to film. You know, I yeah. don't think we're, we know that we're not going to, they've said, you know, we can't obviously go to every single place. Um, you and I are already speculating that, you know, um, a lot of the stuff that happens at the end of the great hunt, the great hunt is going to be happening at tier instead of, um, mm -hmm. uh, God, where Falma. does it happen? Falma, yeah. excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Falma. Right. And, you know, Falma's way over here dealing with the Sean Chan, which obviously we know they're coming, but I just think it's all going to sort of take place in tier calendar. That's how you finish maybe season two run that parallel sort of, uh, great hunt dragon reborn in there. Yeah, but he did. He did specifically mention uh, when uh, Fayil and Gawain. We believe Fayil is going to be cast, and I do think it is a good idea to bring her in next season. That way, we can move off any of the Paranagwain stuff. Which I think I get it. I guess you're using that to set up. Maybe you you use it somehow to sort of speed along Perrin and Fayil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting? Yeah, yeah. Either way, wherever they find each other because it would be interesting if like Gawain we could either meet him at Camelin or we or they've already maybe Elaine and Gawain and, and Galad are over at the tower right they could do it right. either either way and maybe there's that sort of first cracker division which is like Egwene is kind of into Gawain and Galad and maybe parents back you know they get they might go with the whole route where the where the boys are separated again from the girls and they're doing their own thing and Rand pretends like he's going to go. Remember in the Great Hunt, he he acts like he's peacing out, and then right, they sh she shows the dragon banner in on him, and he goes on the hunt for the dagger and the and the horn. Right. So, well, I think Rand's going to be way over here. I think I think they're speeding him along. I think he's going to do a lot of the I.O. way stuff by himself um, that he does in like I don't know Shadow Rising, right? Um, 
and then he's gonna he's gonna bring an army because in the dragon reborn he's you don't really see a lot of rand he's kind of just wandering right his mm-hmm. way down i mean down to tier really is is kind of what he's doing we see him at like little campsites and stuff like that but i think rand's probably over here in the io waste he's gonna meet up with some of these people who knows man maybe he has a one-on-one with cool next season and it's like we're just speed a lot of that along and then he brings an army and i yield and i yield army over um to tier and we do calendar you know what they could also move that back to like season three and have some of the stuff that's like shadow rising maybe maybe season two ends with ran being pronounced the car karn mm. and then wow. we don't even then we do like calendar stuff and like season, season three season three like the blow the horn of valir season three that i mean really you could I, you really yeah. could shift some stuff around yeah and again we've already seen uh i mean i was still surprised by season one being kind of so close so close and starting in the two rivers and framework yeah i mean obviously they moved there's a lot of inner inner story stuff but the framework is is start and finish was start and finish is eye of the world yeah because if you tell me right now they're going to start and finish like the great hunt like start off chasing this thing to Kyrie, and well it sounds like camelin camelin is is the location and Kyrian's not been mentioned so how do you get the the events to to match? I guess without Kyrian. Well, all this all that stuff has to take place in in Camelin, which would mean, you know, maybe Rand doesn't go to the waste. Here's my my problem with Elaine being uh, cast, and like Elaine is either at Camelin, we're gonna see her there at first, or we're gonna see her in the White Tower. But Rand, right. when will Rand meet Elaine? That's I think the big right. question is: it, does he meet her? at the tower does he meet her at camelin does he meet her at falma does he meet her at tier you know what i mean like it's kind of a crazy thing because he has to meet her at well some... another character is matt as matt we saw at the white tower you know cgi however you know had green screen him in whatever whatever they did there yeah whether barney harris filmed it and they reused it, whatever they did there um is matt gonna wake up at the white tower and wreck uh gawain and galad like he does in the books right and which would that, mean, by that mean that elaine's already there we could right. go back to camelin yeah yeah for sure because that's why uh you know i mentioned that like matt's whole arc actually takes him to camelin with um tom tom yeah and like they're going to deliver a message and all that kind of stuff but that's book three so you know right. book two is just this whole chasing down so he's not there for the chase right so the chase is left this is where it gets really crazy because Perrin and Matt now are going to have to chase down that horn. The dagger doesn't really matter as much. It's like Matt's been healed as much as possible. Maybe he goes through another full healing in the white loyal tower or something. Seems like loyal seems like you know, they could they, loyal. Oh, get him off the ground. They, I don't. I can't believe they, they might, put him on the ground. I they swear might, to God. You know, they might change the nature of the dagger. I'm almost starting to believe they already did change the nature of the dagger to be you using it there's a darkness attached to the user of it not so much a darkness attached to kill like a, like attacking someone with it sure so maybe yeah. you could change it to like it's supposed to make you more powerful but doesn't make the dagger itself yeah less or more powerful yeah that'd be interesting um that would be yeah that would that... that would be one way to explain loyal's loyal getting attacked by it right right because yeah you already have um 
like like I think it's interesting also to speculate like where is Pot on Fane going? All these can be things we'll probably pull out later and do special little little fuller uh, detailed things because Pot on Fane, uh, he has the horn. Like, is he going to take it back to the two rivers? And that leads Perrin there to the two rivers. And he, he you kind of blend his whole going back there and, and fighting him. I mean, or is it like right. he's going, does he have to go to Falma first? Like he will lead them somewhere. Pot on Fane will either lead them to Tomon Head. Uh, he'll lead them to Tyr or he'll lead them to the two rivers or something, right? Like those are, we, we got to figure out where we want to finish in season two. I mean, Rafe already knows, but we're trying to theorize and speculate as to, where it's gonna, you know, where it's gonna go. Climax. So yeah, and we'll and we and there's gonna be plenty and plenty and plenty of speculation and stuff of season two and how they're all gonna do it. But as um, this is uh, we're gonna dive back into the books now. So let's dive into the. Let me first. Let me just say because I know we have some new people here. So um, for those of you guys who haven't been following along on our sort of read through, um, my this is my first read through of the books. Uh, as, and, you know, as I've said, I, the world for me was great. You just sort of reading through it for the first time. You know, I loved the ending of it. Great hunt is my favorite is still, it's still my number one, Mm -hmm. um, so far the dragon reborn of the first three. I was like, it's my least favorite. Um, just cause it was sort of shorter. I felt like not really a whole lot happened in the book. There's not very much Rand. Shadow Rising, I felt like was the strongest book. The, like, um, next to the Great Hunt, the Great Hunt, like, I think the Shadow Rising start to finish is probably the best book of the first five. Mm-hmm. I think I just love the ending of the Great Hunt so much. Yeah, that it's just it's like it, the the ending of the Great Hunt is so amazing. Yeah, that it's just like I just yeah. can't, it's like the first thing I think of when I think of Wheel of Time, and I'm just like it's just so sick. So. But start to finish, Shadow Rising is probably the best book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Perrin t- telling the White Cloaks off and, you know, that uh, the scene there where he's, you know, he fights Slayer, right, in the um, mm-hmm. in the dream world, I thought was super cool. And then Rand and Kooladin, like, you know, the Karakarn and all of right. this stuff. And it seems like, okay, these two are going to fight. Right. And then in Lords of Chaos, man, I just, or Fires of Heaven starts off and it's like, I'm so pumped about Perrin. It's the first time I felt like I was really enjoying Perrin. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, I'm so like stoked. Perrin just told these like white cloaks off. We're going to like things are about to get real serious. Perrin's not even in the book. Yep. And <laughs> we start off and it's like Elida at the tower. I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I was like, so pumped leaving it. And then I will, you know, say it one more time is I'm still just so disappointed by the fact that Kooladin was killed off book, off screen. It it was just so upsetting for me. Um, That's one area I think the show could could improve upon. Um, And I get people's argument for it is that Kooladin wasn't necessarily important, but it's like, well, if he wasn't important, then why was the last part of Shadow Rising about him, essentially? Mm hmm. And I still feel like you could have just done it in a cool way where Matt shows up and you get to at least just see Matt like step in and be like, yeah, you're not fighting Rand. You're fighting me. And then he just like kills him. Like, you know, yeah. whatever. That would be cool. That would be cool. I just wanted right. to see it. Right. And um, and then, you know, the stuff with Moraine I, at the end, um, our good buddy Jimmy, right? Fantasy Network yep. did, say, did say to us, he sort of felt like it, it felt kind of shoehorned in a little rushed there at the end. Um, yeah. with it's like, it's like uh, land fear kind of comes out of nowhere 
and then Moraine RKOs are out of nowhere, essentially, right? Uh, and then, but, um, and then the circus chapters. It was it was, un, it was un, a little little unnecessary. I enjoyed, you know, like the idea of them. That's something again. I think the show can improve on. So, Lords of Chaos kind of left, or Fires of Heaven sort of left me with a little bad taste in my mouth. I was mm -hmm. like, man, I think this, this is the first time I was like, is this the slog, right? That everyone talks <laughs> yeah. about. Is, is this the slog? But then, wow. Um, as soon as I fire up fire, uh, Lord of chaos, man, I keep getting it mixed up. Yeah. As soon as I fire up Lord of chaos, boom, back in the saddle. And right. so, uh, yeah, just absolutely pumped, uh, for, to be, to, for, for this book. Yeah. Those darn circus chapters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just to give, you know, cause I know, um, Matt and, and we again shout out to Jimmy, uh, wonderful guy, great content creator. But I get it, uh, you know the the fires of heaven thing we had early on in our live stream here. I think five or six people who are like fires of heaven is great, and so just to validate people who do think it right um, is is awesome. I'm I'm with to me the, the way that the great hunt ends that that epic scene, the battle in in Teleron Riyadh in the dream world is is pretty pretty high up there in in, in terms of ravine you know when he's like, ravine right. and he's just like going for him you know so that i actually sometimes forget moraine does what she does there i'm like oh yeah we, we kind of whatever but if you're a moraine if you're really locked in on moraine Fan. Story, then it yeah. then it does it i can see how it, it kind of gets you like what what what's, what's going yeah on i mean yeah you know? and i i think i think that's the thing too is it it, it, it all sort of depends on because I, I have felt like, with the exception of Nynaeve, and all I've ever been told is that once you get to a certain point, Nynaeve becomes awesome. Yeah. And I will say, in the show, I'm, you know, when oh, Nynaeve yeah. is with Lan, which I think is one of the best things they've done, and yeah. it's kind of the same way I feel about her in the books, is that when she's with Lan, and she's sort of not as uptight, uh, I guess is you know, the word, yeah. Um then I enjoy her more. And so, you know, I, I'm sure that at some point I will, but I would say up to this point, my least favorite character is hands down naive. Um, and so I think it's just sort of which characters are, do you enjoy? Which characters yeah. do you not? You know, everyone talks about how they hate Fail, but I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not there yet. And right. I'm just sort of, I yeah, you're not. <laughs> yeah. I, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't dislike Fail. I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, right. She's, you know, she's, and that's she's fine. See, that, that's, that's a great comparison, Matt. Like the Fayil versus Nynaeve. So Nynaeve, for some people, starts off kind of low and then gets really high. Whereas Fayil, I feel like, starts off kind of like very intriguing, very interesting, and then hits a low point for a hot second. And they'd be and like, some Whoa. people just don't, some people don't forgive it or they don't come back from it. Yeah. And it's they don't like, come back. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And so I think that I think all of the, I mean, the uh, Fires of Heaven is not a bad book by any, by any stretch of the means. I mean, um, I it's think not it's not one that you were yeah. locked in. No, on. it wasn't one that I wasn't as into. But again, I think I think the thing with the Wheel of Time books, at least in my experience so far, is you're going to like certain books more. Maybe not so, so much based upon the plot, but based upon a certain character's arc, because you're more dialed in to specific characters than others. Yeah, and so I think that's why everyone's going to like this book more than this. And that's one of the best things about it is that the characters are all so intriguing and everyone's going to connect with different characters for different reasons. And right. like, and then you will like, obviously, this book more because it's more focused or you like 
this person's arc specifically in this book, as opposed, you know, as, yeah. as opposed to others. Like I really love Tom. I really yeah. love Matt. Right. So that, right. again, for me, it's like great hunts. Like, you know, it's the ending of great hunt is like so right. amazing. Cause it's pretty Matt heavy. Right. Uh, it's like a big, Matt has a massive moment uh, mm-hmm. at the end of, yeah. of, of the, of the great hunt. And so it's such a great, that's why I'm so drawn to that. And then I love Rand, right. You know, so, Right. Um, that's why I wasn't as big into the Dragon Reborn because I was like, Rain's barely even in this. Yeah. And actually something in this book that you'll notice. So, so I like men a lot. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of men, especially in the book. Um, I, I know we had some. So the men I saw, I'm waiting to see more on on men in the show. Uh, but I really like men in the book. And so anytime she's doing her thing, I'm locked in. She was one of my favorites. But yeah, let's say you're a parent guy. I mean, geez, cow, this last book would have been hard to read, right? You're like, well, when's he coming in? And he does it. And that's actually a risk that I think Robert Jordan ran, um, which is like you build up these characters who are pretty awesome, and then you just have them sit on the bench. And I'm like, right. oh, that's that's tough, you know, for, for people to get through. So, yeah, it is what it is. But, you know, I think now, though, what, what I've heard from Matt just initially, and we're about to find out, is that the Lord of Chaos uh, prologue got us locked back in here, which is which is good feeling that. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, again, it's just, it's one of those things where you're going to like certain characters more than others, the, you know, the, 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 the whole deal here. So, yeah. Um, okay. So let's dive into the prologue here. So this chapter is massive. Uh, by the way, we've normally been doing the prologues by themselves, just for the sake of doing the prologue by themselves. Cause they're also important and different. Right. Um, this one is enormous. I believe the audiobook, which is what I listen to, um, is like a three hour chapter. Yeah, there are eleven point of views. <laughs> yeah. There there are eleven point of views. So we're gonna be taking this um, you know, I guess in a way sort of slowly here and just sort of going through each point of view, stopping, talking about it. Here we go. So yeah. We start off, right, with uh Demond- you know, but Demondrin's point of view, right? In the setting, and so we're in Shale Ghoul. So already it's like, wow, things are like wow. getting real, real serious. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so Demondred steps out of a gateway and onto the slopes of Shao Ghoul. Looking around, he sees Mirdral, uh blades being forged in the valley of Trakandar. Suddenly a too tall half man appears and introduces itself as Shaidar Haran, which means hand of the dark in the old tongue. It takes Demondred to the Pit of Doom, where the Dark One demands information on the events of the world. Demondred reports that Ravine is dead and that other Forsaken have vanished. The Dark One already knows and lets Demondred know what happens to traitors. When, um, when the Forsaken assures his master that he will obey as commanded, the voice from the boar asks if he would like to be nameless. Then it gives him a message that causes tears of joy to run down his face. And he specifically names Lanfear as being gone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is, let me, let me read just a, a couple things here just to get us started. I won't read from every point of view, but just a few here. So uh, yeah, he steps out, as you said, on, on, on Shea Ghoul here, lightning streaked up at the clouds, this whole thing, slow thunder rolled, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's, it's described so well. Uh, he released the one power immediately, and he's walking in. He's talking about that. Uh, he's describing the place, and he comes across. Here it is. You said that the the swords for, of the of the murder were being forged. 
Uh, there was water of a sort, an inky rivulet oozing down the rocky slope beside a gray roofed forge. Hammers rang inside with ever ring. White light flared in the cramped windows. A ragged woman crouched in hopeless heap against the forge's rough stone wall, clutching a babe in her arms, and a spindly girl buried her face in the woman's skirt. Prisoners form uh, prisoners from a raid down into the borderlands, but uh, no doubt. But so few. The murderer must be gnashing their teeth. Their blades failed after a time and had to be replaced, no matter that raids into the borderland had been curtailed. So, like, the way, it's pretty, you know, graphic, but the way they, you know, use people to kind of create their blades is, is uh, terrible. Yeah. It's scary, right? And you're like, oh, my God, this is dark. This is this is a darker start to this. And you just you can feel it. You can really feel um, the dark one's presence here. And it's it's a scarier scene. I think it's going to be again. It's one of those reasons why this is the, the beginning of this. Uh, children are sobbing. The hammers are ringing. They're they're, they're captured here. Uh, it's, it's awful. And I feel like this is one of those reasons why the wheel of time when this starts, when we get to a scene like this, we said. It's going to be graphic. It's going to be darker. It's going to season one. I felt like didn't wasn't crazy um, in terms of like, well, I don't know that that Maiden of the Spear or the, uh, you know, Rand's right. Mom scene was pretty, pretty wild. But still, uh, we're going to see some darker, darker tones, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no. And it's cool because we've heard about the dark one this entire time. And now we're finally seeing you know, the dark one and speaking to the dark one, not an agent of the dark one, right? The dark one. There he is. Yes. So uh, Matt, this is, okay. This isn't the dark one. This is Demondred, but yes. Yeah. 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 And so here we have, um, we actually get some of the words coming back to Demondred. And one of the things when, when he's asked, would you be nameless? Would you be first, you know, among, among the others? He says, I wish only to serve you great Lord. However, I may, Nablus. Uh, then listen and serve. Hear who will die and who will live. I mean, huh? He told him what? You know, and so very, very interesting. There's also, let me see if I can find it here, a character that is important. I want to find his description. The Murdral that shows up. Shadar Haran, right? Mm -hmm. Is it's very the the way this Murdral um interacts with Demondred is very different from how other Murdral interact with him. So we know there's something special about this Murdral in particular. And Shadar Haran is, is a big deal. And we'll, we'll track him kind of throughout the series and, 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 and talk about him, but he's just, he's not any normal Murdral or fade, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I will say, uh, one of the things I did like about the show was the way they portrayed the fades in the murder. Yeah. I thought it was a very cool look. Um, and I thought, let me see, uh, just trying to get it pulled up here. Um, I, I, I do, I do think it was a, it ended up here. Here you go. Just a quick look. I think it, it looks close to what a lot of the fan pictures and everything has been. They look menacing. They look weird. Mm -hmm. I do. I, I was, I was particular. That was one thing I, I thought was, was cool. Way yeah. better. They look way better than the Trollocs to me. Yeah, they they did a great job on the merger. I think they knew they had to really got to get that Sell right. That. You can improve on the on the Trollocs, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
Okay, so now let's uh, shift. So now we shift gears and we're talking and we're with Nynaeve, right? So Nynaeve studies Leanne and Suwan through the Adam with Mogadine's power. Suwan complains about the time that Nynaeve is wasting by trying to heal Stilling. Both women have more important matters to see when Nynaeve mentions that she feels something torn or cut within the women. Mogadine lets it slip that Stilling was called Severing in the Age of Legends. Nynaeve hands Suwan the Adam bracelet to try on, and she confirms that she can feel Mogadine's emotions, but is not able to channel through her. It is the same for Leanne. Suddenly, Elaine storms into the room, scaring everyone half out of their wits, and tells the other women that Shiriam's council is sending an embassy to Camelin, but Elaine is not allowed to join them. She does not believe that her mother is dead, but Suwan brings up events that Morghese would not have happened if she were still alive. Elaine says that it is her right to go to Camelin to secure the throne, but the Aes Sedai and Sidar will not let the daughter heir go near the dragon reborn until they know how far they can trust him, especially since they have heard of his ancestors amnesty right rand intends to gather men who can channel and you know says you can no longer steal them that was you know something that happened in the in the last one basically hey you leave those men alone yes big deal (laughs) big deal big deal and that actually really sets off um the tarvalan witches okay yeah that's what i call them yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So Suan and Leanne know something about the embassy and tells the girls they the little they know. Nine sisters and men are going. Then the two women leave because they can no longer put off their work. Both Nynaeve and Elaine have gained a lot of credit due to questioning Mogadine and coming up with information from the Age of Legends. They also learn about Dark Friend's plots from her and make the news uh, seem to come as reports from Suan and Leanne's agents. Yeah, so this is really interesting. I mean, um, Mogadine, Mogadian, whoever, uh, is teaching them. Uh, they're learning through her. They have her uh, collared, if you will, and they're able to force her to teach them various things. And and they're, they're learning some stuff now. Swan and Leanne are in on this. Uh, Nynaeve is starting to grow curious as to what it means to be stilled. Uh, it's, it's described here as something's being has been torn or has been cut away. And so she's, she's kind of probing, tr- trying to figure that out. Uh, and, and yeah, th- they are also, she, they, some dark friend plots are revealed and they are passing those over to Suan and Leanne and who they're, they're basically saying, Hey, we're still relevant because we have um, a network of, of eyes and ears that we can give to Shiriam and her council in, in Salidar. So, yeah, that's interesting. And just for, for just so folks remember, the White Tower has split, and this is the rebel Aes Sedai. This is this is Shiriam and her group, and and that's um, kind of where we're at right now. And yeah, this this whole bit about like Elaine wants to go back. I mean, the rumor is more gays has been killed, right? And that's that's why Rand went there. That's why he yeah. calls out Ravine and, and and everything. And he's trying to feels like he's he's failed, and he feels um, like he's hurt uh, Elaine. Like Elaine's not going to forgive him for this. So, right. I can't say it's not his fault, but you know. I know, I, you know, Rand, they're, they're forsaken. <sighs> I know, but okay. So we shift to Elaine's point of view outside of the room. Elaine wants uh, waves to Burgett. Well, I think it's Burgetta now is the way they, they did. Is that how they said it in the show? Well, yeah. you know, I feel like, I feel like everybody pronounces it differently, but um, in the show, I feel like it was Burgetta, right? Or Brigida. 
um, yeah. who is trying to play with uh, Jarl and Sev, two boys who have come um, with them from Samara. Uh, Mogadine says that they are acting as apathetic as they were uh, as they were when she picked them up as part of her disguise. When Garth Brynn rides by, Elaine remembers that she has heard um, heard about him recruiting the Hall's army. Darting through the crowd, she encounters Anaya and Jaina, who praise her and tell her to be proud of her discoveries. They think it's marvelous that she is able to make Terangrial. But neither they nor anyone else really knows that the bracelet and necklace uh, were the first she ever made. Elaine wants to see Min before she leaves and finds her at the River Elder. They talk about Suwan wanting Min to spy on Rand and both confess their love for him, although neither of them wants to give him up they also do not want to risk their friendship and lose one another you know well i read an article where robert jordan talked about this and he had like two girls who didn't want to not be friends but they both liked him and so they said let's share him i mean that's literally kind of where this i'm serious like it's actually it's at the end of audible he talks about there's a there's an interview out there too and it's just crazy it's just kind of a younger man's you know whatever and that's what they discuss which is like Hey, I, I like you and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but they're both almost bound to him. Right. In a way they feel connected. I mean, Elaine's already been making out with him like crazy in, in tier. Um, and they're super has been doing a lot more than making out. Avienda is doing a lot more. Holy. <laughs> and men though, has, I mean, been it's there. not, Ran, it's not Rand's fault. No, it ain't. No, it's not. It's not Rand. It's not Rand's fault. All no. these women like him. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just it's kind of crazy. And and Min was there at Lanfear, right? Well, in the uh, the end of book two, looks right at Min and says, "Yeah, you can have him for a while. You can take care of him for a bit until I'm ready to claim him." At well, you oh. know, right? <laughs> that that didn't go so well because Moraine said, "I'm gonna run you through this red door and you're out." You know? Yeah. So. Jeez. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But but crazy, right? Um. So, uh. Okay. Let's move on to the next one here. There's a lot to get through. Yeah. So we shift to Fahil, right? Fahil holds court every afternoon, despite the fact that the manor house is not finished yet. Perrin should be there as well, but he does not like passing judgment on people that he grew up with. Uh, um, Sharmad Zephyr and uh, Rhea Avin have come to ask which of them had the right to will Alcine. Fail sends them to the wisdom with that matter. Sen Bui replaces the two women and complains about outlanders bringing strange ways into the two rivers and about mass uh, master Hornval, the tile maker um, and competition for Sen Bui taking up useful hands that could be put to work. Fail knows that Sen has taken on helpers himself and reminds the old Thatcher that the manor's roof is not finished yet and that she will have to ask Master Hornval about his tiles if it is not done soon. More petitioners come. Aspara Solomon wants to deal with herbs and cures and is directed to the women's circle. John Ayelin uh, and Thad Torfin dispute the boundaries of their fields and are to split the difference between them. Two Damani miners uh, think they have seen signs of gold, silver, and iron in the region. Fayil allows them to search and give a tenth of what they find to Perrin. Uh, Lyle uh, Morsara wants to open a carpet weaving business and promises the first carpet to Fail. After the Terrabonner woman, the wisdoms of the two rivers enter. Daisy Conger, uh, Adele uh, Galen, Galen, 
Elwin, Taran, and Mail Azir complained about three more boys having run off because of the stories they heard from Perrin. Mila admits that she is frightened because the weather is most unnatural and Fael reminds them of the hardness of two river folk, which seems to reassure them. Fael then goes outside to Perrin, who is watching Tam and Aram practice the sword. He says that he feels Rand tugging at him. When he tells her that he wants to leave the two rivers, she decides to go with him, and no matter how many arguments he starts. Is he starting the arguments? You know, is, is Perrin starting? I don't know if he is, my friend. But here's the thing. I do yeah. know that Fail has set herself up here to be in charge. And people are coming to her with all these different problems. And she really does. It's, it's kind of cool because they propped up Perrin as Lord Perrin. And she is setting all these different little matters in order. So you have like the wisdom uh, coming in, the new wisdom. You have people kind of trying to like the miners, for example. Yeah, she, she just makes like executive decisions, which is great because Perrin needs that because he's kind of like, oh, uh, you know, when, when, when things really uh, come to kind of a head, he will step in and do what he needs to do. But Fael's like running the ins and outs, if you will. And it's really kind of cool because people have a lot of respect for her and she comes off really well, really, really likable. Um, and it's, it's, it's great. She's also keeping an eye out for any of these other women that might be eyeballing Perrin, you know, so right. she's, she's keeping an eye out there. The whole, the funny thing, Will I've seen two girls coming to say like who has claim to him. It's kind of, it's a little crazy, but uh, you know, it's the two rivers. And so just kind of fun. But yeah, I think yeah. it's great. I think uh, that chapter with her, it gets you right back in. Cause that was what was missing in the fires of heaven for a lot of people. So now you got five There's no five and Perrin. Yeah. Right. And, and she's thinking very fondly of Perrin. What do we need to do next? And you get that, oh, the two rivers. She, uh, when it first starts off, they talk about the rest that they needed, the time that they got, like a relaxation, because they're about to go on a great arc um, that's going to be full of adventure and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, really cool. Okay. Let's move on to the next one, which is uh, Gawain's point of view. Gawain checks the position of his men who are prepared to fight Aiel. Uh, Jaiso and Hal, two younglings, have not seen any so far, and the latter is doubtful that an Aiel could hide in the bushes around them. From the distance, Gawain sees three wise ones, who are Savannah, uh, Tervara, and Desain, who approach to talk the Aes Sedai. Before they left Tarvalin, uh, Corian made him swear to keep his mission secret. They are on their way to Kyrian, where the six Aes Sedai with him are going to ask the Dragon Reborn to accompany them to the tower with the younglings for an escort of honor. After a short while, a peddler named Mil Tessin approaches the younglings and wants to sell his things. Gawain asks for news of the world and learns that Rand has taken Kyrian and Andor. Rumor says Morghese is dead and that the Dragon Reborn killed her. Instinctively, Gawain grabs Mil's coat and wants to know about the daughter heir it is said that Rand killed her too but the peddler is not sure and so gawain intends to take revenge first of uh, all i don't trust any peddler no no you shouldn't be trusting any of the peddlers at this point i mean there's so many too the whole land fear plot is actually very interesting in the last couple of books because of all the peddlers who were over in the io waste that are like a bunch of freaking dark friends and then we got pot on fane so yeah we're, we're being taught to kind of not trust uh the the peddlers now what's interesting about this my friend is you have 
a group of Aes Sedai going from the tower. Remember, we've got the White Tower still, and then we've got the Rebel Aes Sedai, and they're split. So we have a group going to Kyrian. So the White Tower is sending their group uh, to Kyrian, which is where it was reported that Rand was at. And Gawain is a part of the younglings. He's going there, and this is it is known. All right. Uh, the Rebel Aes Sedai, we just learned two, two point of view, uh, the, not this point of view, but the last one. We learned that Elaine is not going. Min is going to Camelin. So you've got two groups approaching the Dragon Reborn. And one is going to Camelin. One is going to Kyrian. One is from the Rebel Aes Sedai, and one is from the White Tower. So that's interesting to kind of watch because we know that he went there, and it's sort of like, where do you go? Because they both could have went to the same place, and it could have been contentious, right. you know? Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to kind of watch. And I'll, I'll just I'll tell folks, not that this is spoiler, but that's a big deal. These two groups that are going to meet with Rand are now reaching out to him. He's proclaimed himself to be the Dragon Reborn. Something big has happened because Morghese is either killed or... Um, Presumed dead. Yeah, right. Gawain's upset by all of that. Well, yeah, especially if he killed Elaine, too, which we he know is, isn't true, but right. Gawain... Right. Yeah, he doesn't dead. know. Right. Um. Okay, so next chapter here is from uh, uh, Katarin's uh, point of view, right? Or Katarin, is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, oh, I don't actually, Katarin maybe, or Katarin? Katarin, yeah, Katarin, you're right. Katarine. The Aes Sedai, yeah, the Aes Sedai agree on an alliance with the Aiel. So Savannah agrees to go as long as she can see his face, which is Rand. The wise ones are escorted outside and Katarine wonders what Gawain will say if he finds out that he and the younglings are only there to get them away from Tarvalin. She also wonders whether Rand will come willingly, which uh, Galena thinks he might, because their delegation does him much honor. Katarine is sure Savannah will kill him given the chance and uh, Galena reminds her Eliida will not be pleased to have her plans disrupted. Katarine has been Black Aja for 12 years and only learned Galena, uh, Galena is as well when they left Tarvalin. There are Aes Sedai following them a day behind, but she does not know whether other members of the Black Aja might be among them. I mean, it sounds like the Black Aja, they don't even know what's going on. Well, it is kind of interesting. Here, let me read that part to you because so the, um, yeah, of necessity, Black sisters kept themselves hidden even from each other. Their rare gatherings were held with faces covered, voices disguised. And then, as you said before, Galena, uh, Ka uh, Katharina, uh, had known only had only known two um, that she that she would recognize from the Black Aja. So there, it's sort of protect to protect them, but also it's to kind of keep them like you follow orders. You're given an order, you follow it. Um, you don't deviate because you don't know who else is there and who has orders to look in on you and make sure you're following your orders. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting though. though you know. Right, that one is that one is short, but it is interesting just to get this idea that hey, um, anybody could still be a black Aja, which I think is kind of interesting. And even the black Aja don't know who's black Aja, so who's really controlling them and telling them what's going on? Right, Where's that is a great question. There? That yeah, because because who is like we now know the Forsaken are out, but Matt she says she's been black Aja for what twelve or thirteen years or whatever it was, eleven. Right, and who was giving her orders back then? You know, right. 
Interesting. Um, okay, so we switch. We go to Savannah's point of view. Uh, Tereva, or Thera, some of these names. Tereva is upset about the way the Aes Sedai treated them, but Savannah is content that they agreed to the alliance. Desain critiques her plan, her plan, excuse me, making Savannah feel threatened about her authority. She proclaims that they are no longer bound to the threefold land and must change. But Desain insists that planting a knife between Rand's ribs would be easier than dealing with Aes Sedai. Of course, the wise one has no notion of what Savannah intends to do with the Karakarn. She was given a small uh, cube by a strange wetlander and should use it once Rand is in her hands. I mean, these people just, these people just, I mean, what do these people think? Do they, do they realize that Rand is the freaking dragon reborn? He's not just like some guy. Right. Well, it's, it's crazy. They all have their own like ambition. Savannah just wants to be close to the strongest man, the most powerful, and maybe even to seduce him or to use him for her own gain. And when you look at the tower, some of that is the same as well, a little bit to, to a right. certain extent. Uh, so yeah, no. Who do they think they are, Matt? I mean, this is that's what we're yeah, all. That's into. what I, that's what I'm saying. 100. Yeah. What's going on here? You know. So there's a interesting bit. The stranger. So this stranger shows up and hands her a box, and that's just again one of these things that we're it's it's a breadcrumb that we're gonna have to pay attention to, and remember that. And we actually, what what any good author does is he lays that down for you, and then he makes you forget about it. And then he'll bring it back later, and it's like, oh, my God, which is really cool. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, they're suspicious of her intentions already. She just wants to see his face. But there's some weird stranger that we don't know if that stranger is connected to her. Uh, is that stranger connected to the Black Aja, to the actual Aes Sedai? We don't know who this person is. No idea. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, now, this is the chapter. I almost I was just kind of hoping it wasn't in, in, in here. Um, because okay. I felt like right away we kill any of the mystery, right? Of more gays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which I mean, I didn't, you know, we didn't think she was dead because they even sort of say in the last book that, right. like, oh, well, we're not exactly sure. And so it's kind of like, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, and at the same time, it's almost like, okay, so now more gays is basically going on the same thing as like Swan, like Swan was disposed, kicked out, and she's on the run, and now it's like the same things happening with more gays. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. But here we go. Uh, so Morghese converses with um, Elrond uh, uh, about his uh, outside his palace, looking uh, overlooking the gardens until pressing affairs of state call for him. She turns back to the apartment with Talonvor on her heels. He thinks that they should have gone to Giladon um, or Gaeldon, right? As the Gaeldon pronounced it in the show now, right? In, in the in the book, it's Gildon is the way uh, Michael Kramer right. you know, says it, but it's Gail Don uh, in the show, which was no option for my gaze with the prophet and his mobs practically on uh, Al uh, Al Aliandre's doorstep. Talonvor says, I will not abandon you um, this side of death, Morghese, but you abandoned much when you abandoned Andor to Gabriel. Morghese knows no house in Andor would support her, sure, uh, so she needs foreign aid. Uh, Alron has finally agreed that she needs soldiers from outside to retake Camelin. Uh Linny and uh, Brienne want to talk about Talonvor, but before Morghese can snap 
at them. Pedro Nile enters the room. He assures her that Alaron cannot give her the aid she seeks, but he will give her 5,000 children of the light if she but asks. Orgaze wants to know why he would help her. He tells her that uh, Gabriel is dead and the Dragon Reborn holds Cainlin. Niall is sure that the Aes Sedai uh, do the channeling for Ran and that he is no more than a puppet of the White Tower. Orgaze says that she needs some time to think and that Niall will return in a day or two. When Pedro Niall leaves, Talonvor, Basil Gill, and uh, Lamguin dart in and tell her there were 30 men with the Lord Captain Commander. Talonvor says he was afraid for her and Morgaze snaps at him, so he leaves. They would have fought and now they think they failed. She wants to apologize to Talonvor and Brienne teases her again. Morgaze hurls her goblet at the other two women and screams at her to get out. Shortly after, a young man in uh, in livery enters and introduces himself as uh, Patir Conal uh, from Market Chiron. He says he followed his uncle Jen to Amador, and when they heard about Morgaze, they wanted to help her escape. Morgaze asks him how things are in Andor, even though the boy wants to leave again after giving her news about the potential plan for escape. You're right. So kind of a big drop that uh, we are with Pedra and Nile. And Morgaze is still alive. Still alive. And the White Cloaks. And we're there. Uh, if you recall in Camelin at one point, it was very important whether you had you were wearing red or white. Did you support the queen? Were you a good queen's man? Uh, or were you in favor of White Cloak intervention? Did you trust the tower? Uh, all that kind of stuff. So those were some of the politics and some of the uh, rumblings that were going on during Morgaze's time in book one of, of Eye of the World. And now it's 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 ludicrous to think that she's going to get a, a group of white cloaks to storm back into Camelin and take it back over. So she's checking on the state of things there. Talonvor, it's mentioned numerous times. Good looking. He's much younger. Lini is like, you know, making these comments. But yeah, I th- there's a whole list of like Lini quotes and sayings like Lini sayings are kind of a big deal on Twitter of time. And I think it's it's fun to see people quote Lini. she's like old nan you know in uh right. in a game of thrones so i just want to get my right here boom just queen more gaze right yeah mm-hmm. um who's not been cast yet right at least not that we know uh, yeah, of, not but, that we know of right yeah yeah but i would have to imagine we obviously would see more gaze mm-hmm. okay um, Pedro Nile's point of view, right? So yep. Pedro Nile arrives at the Fortress of Light. What he told Morgaze was his own interpretation of events that he believes. Uh, Balwer lets him know that there are papers that await his signature and Cardin who awaits his presence in the audience chamber. Nile asks what Cardin thinks he was called for, to which the Lord Inquisitor replies that he is to take care of the Aes Sedai in Sidar. Still, he is going to be sent to Altara. Nile thinks he could bind the nations together under his leadership to depose Rand. He sent emissaries to every land um, to every land to point out the danger of a false dragon and planted other rumors. But the rabid lion, as he calls Rand, turned into a giant that moved like lightning. Now Nile tells Cardin that Altara and Morandi are about to be tormented by a plague of dragon swarms. Right, all that unrest. Remember when we were uh, with the prophet uh, Masima and mm-hmm. uh, Galad was getting the the ship 
right i think yeah 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 um yes ooh, i gotta be careful because i'm like a couple books ahead so i'm like trying to not don't, go like, spoil, uh, don't, don't, don't go spoiling stuff ass. um yeah so that's that's so, some of the stuff that's being referenced there a little bit um the dragon sworn and and the uprisings and the and the trouble so yeah pedro nile is is his motives are to the reason he's kind of against more gays not against her but like has been sort of is their alliance with the white tower and the Tarvalon witches and their advisors and, and so on. So in Amadicia, they've kind of got control of the king there and they're, they're in to seat of power for them. So this would be cool for them to move into Camelin and help her retake that. But at the same time, he's really just keeping her there in his back pocket for a while until he decides what to do. Right. So, okay. Um, uh, just uh, two more here. So Masana's point of view, right? Masana is building an inverted tower of ivory dominoes, and she is proud of it because she did not use the power once. Uh, Simaraj is with her in the room doing needlework. Masana feels uncomfortable around the women, although she matches her in strength. Both are waiting for Demondred. It has been 17 days since he went to Sheol Ghul and now only informs them of a message. In that time, Masana has been to Sheol Ghul herself, but the Dark One did not answer. Demandra then appears and tells them to wait until they are all there. Shortly after him, Grendal joins them, but Samael is busy in Ilion. They talk about Angrial, and Masana informs the others that the White Tower now has wards around its strongholds. They want to know about Demondred's message and whether it says they are going to kill Rand. Demondred quotes that the Dark One's exact words were, let the Lord of Chaos rule. Then he tells them everything, and Masana thinks it might work with luck. Uh, yeah, so this is interesting. Like, they, they, the Forsaken, we start to get more of the Forsaken, and we learn about their plotting, uh, that Shea is important. Now they're speaking to the Dark One, and these things are happening. So they also, like, why Demondred? You know, why is he the only one who can speak with um, the Dark One? And, and when they go to Shea Ghoul, they, they don't get anything. They don't, they don't, they're not spoken to. They weren't called uh, there. So it's interesting how the politics, or I guess the, the, the ladder to Nablus, the up and down uh, nature, it kind of keeps the Forsaken. It's it's like a um, it, it keeps them fighting among themselves, which sometimes helps Rand. You know, mm -hmm. there's almost too much chaos, but yet it is very well. They do work together out of fear, and I don't know what this person knows and what is Samael doing. Rabin was just killed, and a lot of different things. So, yeah. Um. It's cool to now get more about the Forsaken because I feel like we were a little bit lost, you know, uh, before, like with Land, you don't get enough and you get so few. It's like so fragmented that you have to go back and do a refresher, which is why the spoiler edition, I'm going to be focused mainly on the Forsaken that were mentioned here and kind of talk you through where we've been with them and then also where we're going with them just in this book and a few books ahead to help us kind of remember and and for veteran readers to, to think about because uh, it's really cool. And I honestly lose track. There's there's some 13 of them and the stuff that's about to happen here in the next point of view is very interesting. Let me. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting, too, by the way. It's like these Forsaken have been around forever. Like we're talking generation after generation after generation after generation. And the Dark One still can't win. 
Mm-hmm. But it sounds like he kind of sucks. Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. I, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Right. And at one point, I can tell you something uh, pretty cool about one of the Forsaken, and that very thing you just said. You know, that very thing about like, hmm, how or even at the the pigeon at the top of the show, which was sort of like, how many times does the wheel turn? How many times will this go on for? Right. Um, what are the odds of, you know, certain outcomes? So yeah, that, that's that's a right. really good point. Um. Okay. So. Finally, uh, Osengar's point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Osengar's, right? I guess. Um, Osengar cannot stop himself from touching his face to make sure it is real. His face is younger than the one he had before and, ordina- uh, and ordinary, though he hates being ordinary. He was uh, once given, he was given the name Osengar before he woke up from his second sleep. The woman with him is uh, Erengar. Both were names from... Uh, both were names for dueling daggers after opening of the boar. When a Murdral ap- appears, uh, Arangar furiously complains about having been put into this body. The Murdral says it was the best that could be found in the borderlands. When Asengar finds himself unable to channel, he thinks Arangar must have discovered the same. She launches herself with a fade, it catches her by the throat and lifts her a foot off the ground. It tells them they have um, not been severed, but will not channel unless allowed to and introduces itself as Shaidar Haran. It says she will adopt and she will adapt and soon it will be like she never had any other body. If she continues complaining, she will be given to the other mirror draw for their sport. Uh, Asengar uh, tells it to let Arangar down, but it replies that it only obeys the dark one. When Arangar agrees to submit to the dark one's will, it finally sets her down again. Osengar thinks that her body is a rich joke. Uh, Shaidar Haran says that they were dead and are alive now to serve the great lord a second time. Osengar assures it that he will um, that he is grateful and after a second Arangar nods. Shaidar Haran says that only it and the dark one know they live and if they succeed they will live forever and be raised above all others. So to me I pretty much knew sort of immediately that I mean that that these are the two forsaken that were killed at the eye of the world. Reborn. Okay. Reborn. Okay. Different faces. Yeah. And they're talking to Shadar Haran and right. they're at Cheogul. Um yes. and we just had I could be mistaken, there. but that's what it seems like to me. Right. I get you. That's a good that's a good thought. Um yeah, because again, they're they're given a task. Yeah, it does just say for right now that they are uh, reborn, and I think a lot of people too also came to the conclusion that they must be someone who of significance was killed, right? That we might so you you immediately start speculating about who was in the book so far that has been destroyed and and given a second sort of um, rebirth. And is talking to the Dark One and, and stuff. So, and, and given the opportunity to live forever and be raised above all others. Uh, if you fail, but you will not fail, will you? The half man then smiled. Uh, it was like seeing death smile. So, yeah. yeah there we go. I, A lot to digest from this prologue, yes. Morghese is, in fact, alive. Mm-hmm. People don't believe she is. Go on. Uh, Gawain thinks that Rand is behind it all. 
a lot of people think Rand should be silenced. Elaine's not allowed to go to Camelon. Yep. And there are the Dark One is talking to the Dark One is talking again. Seems like uh, you know. It seems he, like things are are seems like there's seems like there's rumblings at all levels. The Forsaken are having leadership mm-hmm. issues. Two, right. two, for, two Forsaken, I believe, are reborn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've got... It is time for the Lord of Chaos to rule once again. Yeah. Not a good not, not a good thing, right? I mean, it seems dark. It seems like this is going to be like Empire Strikes Back, sort of. Basically, you know? 100%, yeah. I mean, because we just killed Ravine, and one of the stronger of the, of the Forsaken. Bale fired him right out of Camelon. Took him out. And yeah, so Rand is, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting too. Once we get into these next batch of chapters, we'll get back to Rand. We'll, we'll start, we'll sort of figure out, uh, how he's feeling, what's going on with these groups that are, are headed to Camelin, uh, what's happening with Mo Gideon and, and the training. What is it that Elaine and Nynaeve are learning? We learned that, uh, we knew that, that Elaine is, can create Tirangrial, which is super cool because now we have a talent that we can use to create something that non-channelers can use to do special things. So yes, big deal. Woo, yeah, craziness all around. Right, but that's okay. That's just the prologue, and then we will dive back into it. And I think um, I don't know that we have our uh, did I did I I did I didn't put down our our numbers of what we would be of what we would, oh. would be doing. Yeah, we can. Uh, what we do is Matt and I can talk about it. And we'll put it in the description for you guys. I'll do that, mm-hmm. and uh, we can. Kind it's of look. probably going to be. I think I, I, from what I remember, that because uh, I have, I'm on about chapter seven. I believe the first three chapters are big. So let's just go ahead and say chapters one through three. Okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, one through three. Just be safe and just give. Easy and if it. we have new, if we have new people, it's not as as daunting. We try to keep it about five hours of a reading or audiobook mm-hmm. time per per block. So let's just right. go ahead and say chapters one through three of Lords of Chaos will be the next episode. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and friends, what we'll do, we're gonna um, we're gonna pop right into the extended edition here in just a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll continue on with this prologue and a couple cool connections, and then I'll follow it up later uh, without Matt. I will dive into our spoiler edition, which should be fun, and we'll focus on some of these Forsaken so absolutely so yeah. awesome as always so we want to thank you for answering the call our next episode we will be discussing lord of chaos chapters one through three yep uh, if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave a comment or send us a message at the horn of at gmail.com we will see you soon and remember that the grave is no bar to our call You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.